the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Well, hello again, y'all, and welcome back to Kitchen Table Theology, and welcome to 2022. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! (laughs) I'm your host, Jen Denton, and along with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we're discovering what the Scripture teaches regarding theological topics. Our goal is always to put the theological cookies on the bottom shelf where we can all reach them. And we try to do this in ways that are very applicable to the lives we live, because the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. We do this because we agree with what pastor and author D. Martin Lloyd-Jones once said, The end of all doctrine is to lead to the knowledge of God and to the worship of God. We want to help you become a good theologian who knows, understands, and can discuss the doctrines of the Bible. And we want to help you be strong in your faith, knowledgeable in and of the Word, and growing in your love for Jesus. Today's podcast is our third episode after a break of a few weeks in a series on the end times. The doctrine of the end times is also known as the doctrine of eschatology. Pastor Jeff, set us up. What are we talking about today? Well, we're glad to be back with you. Yes, we are. And these are the first podcasts we're recording in 2022. And Jen has come in with a good attitude, with a smile on her face, despite the fact that her Alabama Crimson Tide... Failed to win the national championship. I can acknowledge, as the scripture says, to everything there is a season. And And this just wasn't (laughs) ours. Next season will be. I have hope. (laughs) I can't say anything because my Clemson Tigers weren't in it, but we'll probably play each other again next year. Good. So, okay, where are we? Yeah, last podcast, we introduced the concept of the rapture. And in eschatology, what follows the rapture is the tribulation period. So... We're going to take a few podcasts beginning today and seek to gain some further understanding of just what the tribulation is all about. Ooh, and when we hear that word tribulation, it tends to spark a bit of fear into our hearts, doesn't it? It seems to be connected with war and famine and all sorts of terrible, horrible, no good, very bad things (laughs) being visited upon the earth. And is it right to think about all of it? Or is there a further purpose for us to understand the tribulation? Yeah, that that's a good point. The, the word tribulation, it's not a happy word. Uh, it's, it has a lot of negative connotations to it. And those things certainly are connected in our minds with that seven-year tribulation period. So let's just back up a second, get a little bit of an overview here. When the Lord has accomplished His present purpose in in building his church, which is what he's doing now, and has by the rapture removed the church, removed her into to heaven with him. He will then prepare those left to dwell on earth for his second coming, and that's when he'll establish his earthly millennial reign, his kingdom. So the period of time between the Lord's return for his church and his second coming to earth to rule is usually called the tribulation age or the tribulation period. For the Bible describes this as a time of unprecedented worldwide trouble. And we will see in this and in upcoming podcasts, the unsaved will suffer from intense divine judgments. Israel will be severely persecuted. 
saved Gentiles will suffer martyrdom. The entire period of some seven years will be a time of unrest, strife, violence, wickedness, anguish, especially during the closing three and a half years. We've talked about that before being divided up into two three-and-a-half-year periods. This seven-year tribulation period is that part of the day of the Lord, and the word day is capitalized, and we, re- we get that from the Old Testament. And that is the time when God will judge his earthly enemies, and he'll establish a new world order with the Lord Jesus as ruler. And we know, as we've talked about in these podcasts, and it comes from Scripture, that God does nothing that is not in accordance with his perfect will and plan. So how does the seven-year period of tribulation fit into that? Is there a purpose? And if so, what is that purpose? Well, yeah, good question. There, there's always a purpose, and the, the, the purpose appears to be of the tribulation appears to be to prepare those living on earth for Jesus' second coming and the establishment of his earthly millennial kingdom. There's going to be a lot of scripture uh, prophecy fulfilled during that time. And the preparation time that, that, that those seven years are about includes some very significant events. And maybe we're familiar with a few of these events. How about giving us a sort of a thumbnail sketch of some of the significant things that are due to take place during the tribulational period? I don't think there'll be college football. Probably not. But there might be. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that I don't know where that came from. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. I'm still on it. But yeah, thumbnail sketch. Okay, the, the, the first thing I think, this catches a no, number of people a little off guard, is that there will be an intensive evangelistic ministry during the first half of that tribulation age. I don't think we connect that with the first three and a half years. This will give people everywhere the opportunity to be saved and to prepare for the Lord's earthly kingdom. That's why Jesus in Matthew 24, 14, he said this, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So I think he's including now, but he's also including the tribulation time. I mean, think about it. If if you hold to the rapture, and if in, ca- in, in fact the rapture is really the way it's going to go down, mm-hmm. over one billion people are going to disappear <laughs> from this planet, and there's going to be a lot of people who are going to have a major moment and go, oh, no, all that they have been saying is true, and mm-hmm. I have missed it. So there's going to be a number of people, I believe, who are going to turn and place their faith in Christ based on on that alone. So I think you'll see a lot of, of evangelism and a lot of salvations taking place in those first three and a half years. Okay, so that's the first part. There's this worldwide evangelistic gospel ministry that happens in those first three and a half years. What else is in that tribulation pipeline, so to speak? Yeah, I think God will begin again to deal firsthand with the nation and the people of Israel. Israel, a lot of this has to do with Israel. Hmm. Uh, the church is going to be gone. So now what has God left? Where are his people? Well, he, he's got the nation of Israel. There are still covenant promises which God made with his people thousands of years ago, which have yet to be fulfilled. And these promises include their salvation their restoration to Palestine with David as their king. So we find scriptural support for all of this in the biblical books of Romans, 
Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and 2 Samuel. Thirdly, there will be a visitation of God's wrath upon the wicked during the tribulation. As you read throughout the Old Testament, you'll see God uses Gentiles to chasten and discipline disobedient Israel. A lot of times when Israel went off the deep end and they they just went in total disobedience to God, God would use Gentile nations to bring Israel back into line. But you know, when when these nations were satanically motivated with hatred and, and going against Israel and credited their victories to their pagan deities, they too later on incurred God's wrath and became subject to his his judgments. During the tribulation age, God is going to use nations and they're going to intensely persecute Jews. And this is going to be under the leadership of Satan, but it's going to lead the elect remnant of Israel to repentance. God has his people, see, and they're going to come to repentant faith in him. Then God will pour out the willful expressions of his wrath upon those Gentile nations for their abusive treatment of Israel and for their unprecedented wickedness. And we read about this in Isaiah, Ezekiel, Zechariah, and Revelation. So let's talk a little bit about timing. We've talked about the what, now let's kind of talk about the when. When does this seven-year period begin? Because I think I've always thought that it would begin immediately after the church is raptured. Like, boom, here it goes, it starts. Same now, day. Same day, everything. Is that right? What do we need to know about the timing and the duration? Well, if you hold to a pre-tribulation, pre-millennial view, as, as I do, the tribulation age will extend from the church's rapture to the Lord's second coming to earth. I said that a few moments ago. So the tribulation follows the rapture of the church. The tribulation precedes the millennium. So, Jen, there's some verses in Matthew 24. How about reading those for us? Because here we're going to see the sequence of the tribulation, to go to your answer a little bit. You, we'll see the coming of Christ, the repentance of Jews, a regathering to the land for the, you know, under the messianic leadership and, and the promises of all that. So this is in Matthew 24, 29 through 31. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet blast, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, one from end of the sky to the other. From one, from end, one end of the, of sky, the sky to, to the, the other. other. Yeah. So that, that gives us a little bit of a sketch of things that are going to take place, and that that comes to us. That those are the words of Christ Himself. So there, there you have a lot of what is going to happen, and and then some. And again, I, I remember back a couple of podcasts ago we were talking about trumpets, and here you have another trumpet blast. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. let's see. So where where we want to go from here? Well, many books talk about the end times. You know, yeah, I think as we read in Revelation, we have to do so. Revelation yeah. is the main. But here we here we are in Matthew. So yeah, a lot of them talk about the end times, but I, I think we we get most of our information from the book of Revelation. But I what I want to say to us is that 
as we read the book of Revelation, we really need to read the book of Daniel alongside of it, because Daniel and Revelation go hand in hand. Mm. I remember in my Bible college and theological training, we had a class called Dan Rev, mm. Daniel and Revelation. You went through them, and there's some, a lot of parallels there and so forth. Mm. There's, there's a lot going on in Daniel to give us information on the tribulation. And we learn about the seven-year period first from Daniel, mm. actually. Mm-hmm. So let, let me just kind of guide us through some of that. And, and Kitchen Table Theologian, I'll ask you, just hang in there and follow along closely. And, and Jen, you feel free to jump in and ask any questions. But if you do, I, I, I don't know that I'll have any answers. But uh, <laughs> are, are we ready for this? I think so. Ready right. or not. Well, I think to begin, we've got to understand Daniel 9. It, it's really necessary in order to understand the purpose and time of the tribulation. So this is four, three or four verses. So Jen, how about reading those for us from Daniel 9, beginning of verse 24? Sure. A period of 70 sets of seven has been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish their rebellion, to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision, and to anoint the most holy place. Now listen and understand. Seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, comes. Jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets and strong defenses despite the perilous times. After this period of 62 sets of seven, the anointed one will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing. And a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. The end will come with a flood and war and its miseries are decreed from that time to the very end. Now, let me just pause you right there. That's already happened. Okay. Okay. After the 62 sets of seven, the anointed one, who is that? That's the Messiah. Mm -hmm. That's Christ. Will be killed. That's happened. Mm -hmm. Appearing to have accomplished nothing. Mm -hmm. Satan thinks he's won. And then... Here comes a ruler whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. A.D. 70, all that has already taken place. Mm-hmm. So, sorry, but uh, yeah, pick up there where you left okay. off. The ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven, but after half this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. And as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. And that, a period of one set of seven, that's the tribulation. Okay. And he, he says, and ha- at, the, at half of that time, a- after three and a half years, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. So Jews will still be having sacrifices and offerings. He's going to stop that. He's going to set up a false idol, going to force people to worship it, and then he's going to be taken down. So that's that's a lot. And so that gels with that seven-year time frame, right. and then that half of three and a half and three and a half. There's a lot of math going on yes. here. I know. I was looking at 62 sets of and seven times 777. <laughs> kitchen table theologian, we totally get. Getting, getting all of this downloaded into your brain on a podcast and some of you are driving and some of you are on a on a treadmill and or you're out running or walking and we we understand that so let's break it down cuz it's really interesting and and then we got to hurry along cuz we're we're running out of time 
this passage speaks of 70 weeks that have been declared against, quote, your people, end quote. So Daniel's people are the Jews, mm-hmm. right? The nation of Israel. And verse 24 speaks there of a period of time that as God has given them, they're going to finish their rebellion, put an end to their sin, atone for guilt, bring in righteousness, confirm the prophetic vision, anoint the most holy place. So God declares that 77s will fulfill all these things. This is 77s of years, or 490 years. That, that's confirmed by another part of, of Daniel. In verses 25 and 26, Daniel's told that the Messiah will be cut off after seven sevens and 62 sevens. That's 69 total, beginning with the decree to rebuild Jerusalem. So in other words, I just feel like we have so confused everybody here. I think but, if everyone could see it in print, yeah. <laughs> visualize it in your mind. So let me, let me say it this way. In other words... 69 sevens of years, 483 years. After the decree to rebuild Jerusalem, the Messiah will be cut off. Biblical historians confirm that 483 years passed from the time of the decree to rebuild Jerusalem to the time when Jesus was crucified. Mm -hmm. So most Christian scholars, regardless of their view of eschatology, have the above understanding of Daniel's 77. So a lot of that has already happened. And it's happened according to the prophecy of, of, of Daniel. Mm-hmm. Well, I think this is news alone to our friends here at Kitchen Table Theology who want to really bulk up their study to go back and, and review some of these passages in Daniel, for sure. So the total number was 490 years, remember? Mm-hmm. 483 years, that's already happened. So that leaves one seven-year period of that prophecy that is yet to be fulfilled. So that final seven-year period is the tribulation period. It's a time when God finishes judging Israel for its sin. Daniel 9.27 gives a few highlights of the seven-year tribulation period. So would you read that for us again, please? Mm -hmm. The ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven. But after half this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. And as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. So who were, who, who's being talked about here is the Antichrist or the beast. And, and Daniel says that the beast will make a covenant for seven years with Israel, but in the middle of those seven years, three and a half years into the tribulation, he will break the covenant. He will put a stop to sacrifice. Now, this is why you read Daniel and Revelation together. Revelation 13 explains that the beast will place an image of himself in the temple and it's going to require the world to worship him. And Revelation 13 5 says this will go on for 42 months. Guess what? How long is 42 months? Three and a half years. Mm, mm-hmm. Since Daniel 9 says this will happen in the middle of the week, Revelation 13 says the beast will do this for a period of 42 months. It's easy to see. The total length of time is 84 months or seven years. So the beast will be in power over the world during the last half of that seven year tribulation period. The beast, also known as the Antichrist. Okay. So now that you've introduced us to this person or things called the beast, who is it? 
Yeah. <laughs> you might not have a, a person or a thing in mind, but at least tell us a little bit more about this beast. It's always been a fun question to ask. Has the beast been born yet? Mm, mm-hmm. Is he alive right now as some little kid somewhere? Ugh. We don't know. We don't know. But yeah, the, he just kind of jumped in there on us, uh, didn't he? The, <laughs> the beast is well-known, or the Antichrist well-known in the pages of Revelation. It's good for us to know all we can about him. Now, there are many different opinions on who or what the beast will be, but let's stay in the Bible and let's limit our answers to that. During the future tribulation period, the world will be ruled by a godless man presiding over an evil governmental system. The Bible associates this end-time ruler with a terrible beast in Revelation and in Daniel. In Revelation 13, the Apostle John, who wrote the book of Revelation, sees a nightmarish vision of a dragon and two beasts. The first beast comes out of the sea and receives power from the dragon. The dragon is Satan. So this beast is a true monstrosity, and he's described as having ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on his horns. And on each head, there is a blasphemous name written. In Revelation, the term beast refers to two related entities. Sometimes the beast refers to the end times empire. The seven heads and ten horns indicate the beast will be a coalition of nations that rises to power to subdue the earth under Satan's control. So there there will be a coalition of nations that are under command of the Antichrist, and he's going to use that coalition to bring the rest of the world into submission. Now, for many, many years now, people have thought European common, the European Union, and there for a while it was made up of 10 nations. Mm. So people thought, well, maybe the, the European thing is union is this. I think it's too early to tell that yet. So sometimes the term the beast is referring to this coalition of nations, this empire. Later references to the beast in Revelation picture an individual, and that's the man who is the political leader and head of the beastly empire. Okay, so we've we've got to kind of get it out of our heads that it the beast is one person because it could be a greater group or both, or what are your thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah, I, I think it's both. I, I think of the beast primarily as a man, mm-hmm. and whenever you refer to the Antichrist, you tend to think of an individual. But here's what we know from Scripture. The beast will receive a deadly wound and be healed of it. He will exert authority over the whole world and demand worship. We know that he will wage war against God's people, and he will prevail against them for a while. However, we also know the beast's time is short. According to Revelation 13 and Daniel 7, he will only be permitted absolute authority for 42 months. That's that second three and a half years of tribulation. So I believe a strong a strong case to be made that the beast in Revelation is the Antichrist, the one who will oppose. This is in Second Thessalonians. Paul said the Antichrist will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Elsewhere, he's called the man of lawlessness, and he's called the man doomed to destruction. Daniel called him the defiler. So here's the good news regarding the beast. There's not a whole lot of good news with this thing. But when the Lord returns in judgment, he will defeat the beast and he will destroy his empire. 
and the beast ultimately is going to be cast alive into the lake of fire. Mm-hmm. As Daniel says, until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally and, poured out. And that's what it is. He winds up in the lake of fire. Mm-hmm. So is there any way that we already know who this individual might be? As you said, is is it a child that's running around right now? I mean... <laughs> yeah, we, we really, we, we don't know the identity of the individual who will become the beast at this point. According to 2 Thessalonians 2, this man will be revealed only when God, now watch this, only when God removes the restraining influence of the Holy Spirit from earth. One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit right now is to restrain sin. He holds, You think it's bad now. Imagine what it will be like when God removes the whole, His Holy Spirit from the earth. I was just thinking, I don't want to be around yeah. when that happens. <laughs> when He is removed and the, the, the world then goes unrestrained, that's when the beast is going to rise to power and everybody will know. Well, in summary, the tribulation is the seven-year time period in the end times in which humanity's decadence and depravity will reach its fullness. All will be led by the Antichrist or the beast who will be under the power and influence of Satan himself, but eventually, at the close of that seven-year period, God will judge accordingly. I couldn't have said it better myself. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. Well, hey, we thank you guys for sticking along for the ride, hanging in there. We do appreciate you joining us today. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your Apple podcast or whatever platform you're listening from. And while you're there, please consider leaving a review, which will help other people to find out about Kitchen Table Theology. And do head over to jeffcranston.com for all of our previous podcasts. And always check out each episode's show notes right there where you listen from. Special thanks to our sound engineer, Anna Showenstra, and to Low Country Community Church right here in Bluffton, South Carolina, for making this podcast possible. And thank you, Kitchen Table Theologians, for your support, your questions, and your encouragement along the way, as we remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's Word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.